Welcome back to part two of our interview with Tina Martian for the miniseries Who We're Becoming. I hope you enjoy this. We'll talk more soon. Thanks for coming and listening to us. I wanted to ask you about your strange love of watching car detailing videos. <laughs> <laughs> the most absurd thing you enjoy? Question yeah. <laughs> so this was a weird kind of question. The What's the most absurd thing that you enjoy? And I was like, what is the weird stuff that I like? And then I thought, it's definitely the videos that my family won't watch with me. Right? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I will watch car the, detailing no, videos they don't, with you. They don't enjoy it. So car detailing videos, I just stumbled across it one day. And he, this it's just this one guy that I like to watch. And I can't remember his name because I haven't watched him most recently. But he takes the nastiest cars, you guys. Like, so gross. So gross. And he just... He makes them look like the day they came out of the factory. It's crazy, and it's so cool. And I don't know what it is, but there's something really satisfying about watching the pressure washer take, like, five years of candy bars out of the floor mats. Like, there's <laughs> just something really satisfying about that. And then seeing it clean again is just, I don't know. I really, really enjoy it. My kids think I'm super weird, but... Have you ever watched those rug cleaning videos? No. Oh, they'll, like find these rugs in like a dump so they're just nasty and they just uh, it's so sad i'm gonna have to send you one how they restore them like yes yeah they have this big room with like a big drain at the end and they just they put soap and they use this like circular cleaning machine and they'll use the pressure washer and it's just it's fun to watch them like and they'll be like guess the color like (laughs) what color was this rug because it's like always brown yeah and then it comes out like I don't know with a pretty pattern or something on it, and <laughs> it's so just cool. like it's very satisfying to watch. Maybe this relates. Old things become new again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good point because when you look at this, the theme of this podcast becoming, you talked about how you've gotten better at applying scriptures, mm. but maybe you're just better at applying anything to like a bigger purpose like and make and and that maybe that's why you like those kinds of things because you can kind of i mean i'm totally pulling at straws here but you know like you do you are someone who likes to find meaning and a lesson in things Mm -hmm. and i like that about you sometimes it's why i come to you for help me work through this you know (laughs) because i know you can look at it and reframe it and that and i mean that show is a bit of a reframe right like take i mean that's (laughs) take this and change it into something new and I think you even used the car detailing videos for a seminary object lesson, right? Yeah, I did. I did use it in seminary one time. We were talking about that kind of process that how we can, no matter how dirty we've mucked up our own lives or how dirty it's become because of influences of other people or whatever, we still have value. Like there's still worth there. And and when we can clean it up with Christ, like it's like the day we were born, you know, like it's it's all brand new. We We really do become like a new creature, which I think was in the lesson this last week becoming that new creature in Christ. So yeah, we use that in seminary. And I, I played just a little bit at the beginning and they watched a couple of mats get cleaned and it was satisfying. And then and then I was like, okay, I'm going to skip to the end so you can see. And they're like, wait, what? We have to watch more. And I was like, we don't have time. You guys, it's like 45 minutes. We can't watch the whole thing. They're like, just a little more. It's just on play YouTube. a little more. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not the only one that finds it fascinating, but... Didn't no. even know it was a thing. Yeah. No, you're gonna you're gonna check I'm it gonna out. Have to leave find one. Yeah. Since we have that new Facebook page, we'll have to leave a link to. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll find to a yeah. car wash detailing. And Camille, video. You're, for those who don't know, what you're referring to the Facebook page for the Connection Podcast. 
Yes. Oh, yep. Awesome. You want to tell anybody about what you're doing there? Because that's you and Yana's project. I'm- um. Yeah. So actually, it was Yana's idea because she started listening to the podcast and was getting frustrated because she doesn't know what these people look like. And we often talk about things that are in front of us while we're recording. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, we need a spot where, you know, we can post pictures and of like people's stories and also of the things that we talk about, like on the podcast, like President Blair talked about his carvings and he actually brought them, but we didn't get pictures of them. And then uh, what else? Um, I know Clea May's dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Tina oh, Marchant's yeah. mom's yeah. dog. And just so we're slowly getting that updated with pictures and and things for cool. people to look at so they Thank have you. more ways to connect. That's Thank great. That makes it a fuller experience. Yeah. A fuller <laughs> experience. <laughs> I see what you but did it there. Does yep. really. <laughs> <laughs> Don't edit that. Yeah. The team continues to grow. So thank you for that. Uh, Camille, what else did you want to talk about? Well, I think I feel like we talked about what I, but I, there was other, something else. Sorry. Okay. This was interesting. The whole, like if you could fit something in a microwave size capsule, <laughs> like to be found in one century from now, what would you put inside? Um, I I've, I put on here a rotary phone. Um, <laughs> Tell us why. I, why? I love a rotary phone. <laughs> I wish fun. I still had a phone line so I could have one in my house. But, I mean, we all have cell phones now. There's not even phone lines in the house that we built. Like, we didn't even design that in. But I just love a rotary phone. There's something about the nostalgia of having to turn all the, the numbers. I, I think it reminds me of my grandma a lot, um, which I like to think about. And... Um, I don't know. It's just fun. I think. I agree. We were just at a cabin with Alan's uncle and aunt, and they have an old rotary phone that used to sit in to Alan's grandma's house. So Keith's mom, it was their phone and it was on the wall forever until she died. And so they they have that phone and it's up on the wall now. And the kids, my kids are teenagers, you guys, and they're up there playing with the rotary phone (laughs) and just like enjoying that kind of thing. So I, I don't know, looking back on what are the things that for sure are not going to exist in a hundred years? That would be one. Yeah. yeah. I know one thing that we talked about in your first podcast episode was the concept of being a jackhammer versus a butterfly. And I, I thought it was a fascinating conversation that I, I wanted to dig a little deeper into because I think it's been part of you discovering who you are hmm. and how you function in the world. Uh, but all I have so far is a sound clip of you saying that it's okay to be the butterfly. And I, I wonder if you could tell me more about what you've discovered and how it's helped you. Yeah. So I don't even know if I'm using the correct terms of butterfly. It might have been hummingbird, but I always say butterfly. But I got it from somewhere, some psychologist who's super smart. And I just heard it one day that some people are like jackhammers and they have a passion and and they just go at this passion like 100 miles an hour and they hit it hard all the time. And I love that for them, but that's so not me. Um, I spent a lot of years searching for a passion, and I still think, like, when I watch somebody and their musical talent, I'm like, that is amazing. Like, I love that they have that passion. I don't have it. And so it felt a lot, I don't know, it made me feel kind of lost. Like, I don't know what my passion is. It made it hard for me to choose a, a major in college. Um, Because I had a lot of different interests, but nothing that was really like, this is my passion. This is what I want to do. So then when I heard about this idea of like the jackhammer versus the butterfly and the butterfly, the difference there is they kind of like to jump around to different things Um, and they can be really into something at one point and then they'll jump to a new flower and and they can kind of be into that for a while. and, And that it was okay to be that person. And I was like, whoa, that's me. 
Like I had, I just had never thought of that before. Like, that's me. That's who I am. I, I jumped to lots of different things. And not that I don't hit it hard because I can jackhammer on that flower for a while. And my kids actually call it like hobby bipolarism because I, I, hit a, I hit a hobby really hard for a while and I'm super manic about it. And then I move on. And I do that in a lot of different ways. I'll do that with planning for girls camp. And, and Jennifer Crook can tell you, like, I'll call her for like a week straight. Like, what about this? What about this? What about this? And she's kind of like, OK, we need to calm down. And then I'll leave <laughs> her alone for like two months and come back to it. So. It's just kind of my personality is to flit around like a butterfly. And it became really impactful in my life when I realized that that was okay. That was normal. It wasn't weird. It's okay to not have that passion that people have and to just take interest in the thing that interests you in the moment. Yeah, it just feels like it was really a affirming moment for you to be able to discover that that was okay. Yeah, and yeah. I think because some, some of the people in my life were kind of like, well, you don't stick with anything for more than like two weeks. And I was like... Oh, that, that felt really like harsh. Like they didn't see and I didn't see like I was kind of in that space too. Like, yeah, I don't like I don't stick with anything for very long. Like, why is that? Am I not good at am I not good at that? Like, am I not, you know, taking this in? Is it just not right from like I couldn't figure out what that meant. And so hearing this idea is like it actually is just the way that I I'm interested in things like I'm really interested in it for a while and then I'll move on and I'll be really interested in something else and that that is an okay way to be. Don't you think that's a part of just who Tina is? You know, because I I just, I think that part of us coming closer to God and, and developing in the gospel is getting to know ourselves better too mm. and how we operate. It teaches you, a, I think, an internal truth about just who you are and who you've always been, mm. you know? And aren't we our best when we understand who we are and we uh, accept that and, and we love that about ourselves? Mm -hmm. <laughs> One of my favorite podcast hosts, Gretchen Rubin, she just always says, be Gretchen, like be Christine, be yeah. Tina, figure out who that is and then be that and own it. And that's what I love about that whole concept. Yeah. But I want to say, too, it kind of relates back to your cho your chosen profession to be a mother mm. because you do go all in on that. And so when your focus is, about, is, is towards other people and, and raising them, you, you don't have really the you, – you, you, I think being a butterfly is much more conducive to being a mother, mm. a, a stay-at-home mother, or a mother, period, or a father. I think this absolutely relates to fatherhood as well. Like being a parent, you have to be all in. And so I actually think it's hard when you have a career and you're trying to be a parent. Mm. I want to give, you know, Jason and others who have a full-time career because you know, you do kind of have to be a jackhammer in your career, in your chosen career. You have to go all in, but you've also, you know, had that responsibility to be a parent. So yeah. Yeah. By the way, if anybody wants to make me a t-shirt design with a butterfly using a jackhammer, I will 100% take that. I will take that idea. I will pay you for that design. So just Andrew. floating that out there. Yep. Yeah. That is a job for somebody if they want it. Easy money for I feel sure. Like Joel's ears just perked up. <laughs> he loves designing t-shirts. Oh, what else do you want to talk about, Christine? I'm interested in this concept of learning how to take things one day at a time. That's a big lesson that all of us, maybe we, some of us learn it earlier than others, but I want to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, this has been a transition for me because I've always been a planner. I've always, like, Alan will tell you I pack for a trip a week in advance and he laughs at me because of, like, you're already packed. 
It's like, I'm leaving next week. Yes, I'm packed. Um, So I'm kind of like, I like to think way far out in advance and plan. And what I was finding with seminary, because y'all, my my life revolves around my kids in seminary. That's like, that's what I do right now. So um, what I was finding was it was becoming really overwhelming, especially in the first year, just learning how to get into that kind of rhythm was really hard. And last year, as I was like, I can't keep going like this because I feels it feels like burnout. And I don't want it to be burnout because it's also something that I love. So I kind of, I don't know how I fell into this idea that it was probably the spirit just saying, you need to take this one day at a time. You need to stop looking at an entire week full of lessons on a Sunday and think that you got to have it all done before the week starts. You need to you need to break this up and make it one day at a time. And and then I just felt this need to take that even a little bit further into my life. Like, yes, I plan. Yes, I calendar. But I can't spend my time thinking about next week's Friday activity when I've got, you know, Monday in front of me tomorrow. So it goes on my calendar, but then I need to not think about that until it approaches closer and just work on today. What am I doing today? Um, and that has put a lot of stress in in another in somebody else's court, I guess, because it's not in my court anymore. Like, well, what are we doing Thursday? Well, I have this on the schedule, but I can't think about that because I have a dinner to prep tonight. You know, like, and just me saying I I have to leave that alone has really helped me focus on one day at a time and to put stressful things where they should be on the days when they need the stress, right? (laughs) Instead of trying to carry that much earlier than I needed to. I think that's a sign of spiritual maturity because you're also um, choosing to trust that God will give you that bit of manna right when you need it, right? Mm -hmm. And I, that's an important lesson for all of us to learn that we can say, you know, to our Heavenly Father, I can't think about this yet. Now I'm thinking about it. Can you please give me all I need for yeah. this thing? Mm-hmm. And when we're living a consecrated life and we're following our covenants, we are bound to, like, God is bound to help us in the moments that we ask for it, you know. Even, yeah. and, and maybe it's, I think another really bad piece of advice is like, don't procrastinate. I mean, or, or, you know, like, don't procrastinate. That's not right. But yeah, I think it just gave me, I think I know what you're saying. Like, we can't procrastinate. That's important, right? Like there were there are things I have to plan for. Like I I had did a dinner for some clients on Friday and I needed to plan for that several days in advance. So I went grocery shopping several days in advance. But once I was done at the grocery store, I wasn't like I needed to put that aside and not think, okay, this is the menu. This is when I need to start it. Like that was too much to think about that three days in advance, right? Like that needed to come the day of. So maybe another word that people might see that as is like priorities, like putting your priorities in the correct place and not worrying about it That's until it. the proper time, um, whatever that proper time is, because it could be farther in advance than one day at a time. But that's just how my brain thinks about it is if if I say one day at a time, it it helps me slow that down, I guess, that, that worry train. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I just think about what Alan always used to say when he was bishop, which is just be where your feet are. Mm-hmm. It's a simple mindfulness practice, but it's deep and relevant to almost any phase of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mel, what else did you want to talk about? When, when she was talking about that, like taking one things one day at a time it's kind of it reminded me of talking about boundaries Mm. and learning when to say no and how to say no to different things so how has that helped you in your life yeah (laughs) setting boundaries yeah i mean that's that's been hard because i don't i'm not good with confrontation so if i'm confronted with something i'm like i don't maybe i'll not deal with that (laughs) yeah but i've been learning because i've 
been put in more leadership positions, you know, as as I've gotten older. I was never in those types of positions as a youth. Um, I was never like class president or anything like that. So I, I didn't really have a position for that. And now that I'm put in more leadership positions, I have learned that there are times when we have to say no, like that's not going to work for me. Um, there's also times when I think it just needs more information um, where some things come up and I'm like getting all worked up about it. And I was like, well, did you tell him this? Oh, no. <laughs> you know, so I think more information, I've been taught that more information helps with those types of situations when instead of saying flat out no, if I just give more information, then that person might be able to help me work through it and I don't have to say no. Or when I give more information, they're like, oh, I see that this needs to be a no. You know, so I think information is really important in that process. And I, I just... I think I had one quick example, but as I'm learning how to teach seminary, uh, I have a certain way that I like to teach. And it's not because I think my way is better than anybody else's way. It just fits me. Uh, it works for me. Um, and I think I was getting a lot of feedback from from a people around me like, well, this needs to happen or this isn't the best teaching practice. And I was like, but I felt like I felt it today. Like I needed to do it this way. And I know that's not the best teaching practice. I, I have a degree in this. I know that's not what I'm supposed to do. But at the same time, I felt like this fit and it fit me and it fit the kids at the time. And um, that's kind of a tricky situation to be in, too. But then I, and I was kind of fretting about it. Like, am I doing this all wrong? Like, am I doing it wrong? And I was really feeling that pressure. Like, I'm letting these kids down because I'm just not doing it right. And Alan was really practical. And he said, look, did they call that person to be the seminary teacher? And I was like, no. They're like, well, who did they call? And I was like, well, me. And he goes, you just need to do you. Be like Tina. they called you for a reason. Be right? Tina, yeah. So I think those are the times when I've learned that I just need to say no sometimes to to advice that is good, but doesn't fit me too. And and so a little bit of pushback in those places sometimes is a good thing. You brought up an important topic of doubt, too, mm -hmm. which is something that creeps up. I just wonder over the years how you've learned to deal with doubt when it comes up in your calling or somewhere else. Uh, not very well. <laughs> <laughs> I do have those doubts. I mean, I think I think everybody wants to be good at what they do. Yeah. And not just for like personal satisfaction, but, you know, there's people that we're responsible for. And I feel a lot of responsibility for those people. So I think that is something I do think about a lot. I do doubt myself sometimes, like, am I doing this wrong? Did I miss something? Was there something I should have said that, that the kids needed to hear? And did I respond wrong to that person? And like, did I did I ruin it for that day for them? Or, you know, all those kinds of things I think are always going to be in the back of your mind. Um, the thing that I've learned is I just have to let that go because it's gone. And there's nothing I can do to change it's it's over and done and to just do better next time, you know, and just really f sit in the spirit, especially with seminary, like sit in the spirit and let that happen the way it feels like it should. And to not not put up barriers and say, but my lesson plan says, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, but if there's a moment where it's like it just starts happening something else, I don't have to stop that. I don't have to um, I don't have to direct all the time. And it's for sure not about me. So sometimes if I have that thought like, oh, mm. I really want to teach this because this is cool and it's going to make me look cool. And I'm like, wait, that's not that's not the right process, right? It's not about me. It's it's about them. So that helps me to put some of that doubt aside. Like if I really am focused on them, then it doesn't matter about me as much. So I don't have as much self-doubt, if, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, it does. It does make a lot of sense. And I, I think what I'm seeing is that you've learned over, and I honestly see this with you too. I, I think you've learned to shift to more of an external view and, and focus on other people. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think that learning to overcome that doubt too, it comes back to trusting God, but also trusting yourself in that context. Yeah. And I, I've faced that all the time as a leader. I mean, I, I was just at an activity the other day and I had three or four different people saying, why aren't we doing it like this? Why aren't we doing it like this? Yeah. We always used to do it like this. And I I have to admit little proud of myself because I just said, well, we're going to do it this way. Yeah. <laughs> and And... I would never have done that five or 10 years ago because at that point in my life, I thought my only value was my availability and being able to accommodate other people's, you know, wants and desires. And and I think for me, at least how I've changed is just learning that I have value outside of that. And I can trust myself to make those kind of decisions too. And I think there's a difference between being arrogant and being confident. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a hard balance to find. I I think about that all the time. Like, what what is the difference in being confident in the skills and the things and the knowledge that that you've gained, and being arrogant and and just feeling like it's all it's all about self. And I yeah. think it's what you were saying, even in your leadership position. Well, we're going to do it this way because you were focused on, you know, whoever it was that you were in charge of. Mm-hmm. You were focused on their needs. Well, then their needs have changed, so the situation needs to change. And I think. That's the difference is really kind of learning that balance. Like you can be confident in your skills and, and know who you are and, and what you're good at without being like, it's all about me. Yeah. Arrogance versus confidence is a really good way to think of that. And arrogance to me seems like it's an adversary tool. Yeah. And confidence is more of a spiritual tool. Like the spirit whispers confidence, encouragement, inspiration. And Satan wants to say, no, it's all about you. You, yeah, like you you're, did such a good you job. You are great at that. <laughs> yeah. but that's just totally takes the focus off of what is most important, which is others. Well, I want to I want to take a moment to plug a couple of books. I don't plug right. Maybe they should they should yes. sponsor us here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we will not plug until they sponsor the podcast. <laughs> but you, there were a couple of books outside of the scriptures that really impacted your life. I wanted to hear more about Love Does and and Everybody Always. Yeah, I don't. I think I stumbled across Love Does at a garage sale, and. <laughs> I just picked it up and I was like, oh, this is kind of an interesting looking book. But they're both by Bob Goff. And if you don't know anything about Bob Goff, he's uh, he has a lot of really interesting stories. And he's an ambassador to, um, shoot, I can't remember the country now, somewhere in Africa. Um, but anyway, he and he's just a Christian writer. And he just writes about this book, Love Does, and Everybody Always is kind of the same idea where Love Does is like, if you love somebody you do these things kind of thing. And he's just got a lot of daily stories about how love has shown up for him and how he shows up for other people. And then everybody always is like, we can always give that to everybody in our lives. And it's they're just really impactful about um, loving other people. And I think that's one of the things I've really been feeling in the scriptures over the last couple of years is, is that God's work in his glory is people. That's his job, right? And if we're if we're trying to be like him, then that's our job too. And just really looking after people and showing as much love as we can. It's not always easy, but it, it it's what it's what Christianity looks like. 
you know, Christianity is love. And it's also one by one love, right? It's whoever's in front of you. It's like, be where your feet are. Look at who's in front of you, who's in your presence at this time right now. And, but he's really good at. Yeah, he's really good at like. stories have individuals in them. Yes. But they're a big application. I think one thing he talks about too is loving difficult people. Yes. Yeah, often. (laughs) I I was curious a bit of it. You made me want to dive into these books actually more because I think that is a tough thing for us is knowing what do we do when somebody just gets on our nerves or it doesn't click. Yeah. What do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, like personally, uh, I don't even know. Um, Don't send angry texts. Don't send angry (laughs) texts. It is hard. I mean, there's the cliche answers of like you need to see them as God sees them, but I think that's like really – it's more than a cliche. It's like true. <laughs> That's like right in front of your faces. The The better we can see them as other people see them or as God sees them, sorry, we can have that love for them, even if we never want to hang out with them. You know, even if our personalities clash and they're not going to be our best friend, we can still feel that kind of love towards them. And I, I had a family member years ago that I was just not getting along with. It was tough. And and I remember being in the temple and I, I was thinking... I can't do part of the ceremony because you're supposed to have only good feelings for people mm. in in that. And and I thought, this is not good. I can't participate fully because I'm having these feelings towards this person. Um, so I spent a lot of time learning about charity and what that pure love of Christ actually looks like um, and lots of prayer because I don't think on my own I could just decide to love that person even though it was like, I kind of wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to be like, yeah, I can do this on my own because that I like being independent, but I knew that it had to come from somewhere else. So there was a lot of prayer. And I honestly, it's a weird thing when you feel the switch. And it's not like all of a sudden I felt the switch. It's just kind of like looking back, you're like, oh yeah, I feel that switch. And still not my favorite person. Still not, I'm going to go hang out with on the weekend and take long trips with and that's not going to happen. But I don't harbor those negative feelings anymore. I feel that kind of Christ-like love towards them, even if we have moments where we don't get along. So, Yeah, that's really good. I, I can relate to a lot of the things you're saying. I, I think in my profession, a lot of colleagues ask me, well, how do you get along with difficult people so well? It seems like you just naturally you know, have that gift and ability. And there's some things that I'll definitely agree with people on, like there are areas where I have talents, but that is not one. (laughs) And I'll tell them, no, that came with a lot of hard work because I did not naturally get along with people. Anyone I thought was difficult was a, a confrontational situation. But one thing I've learned over the years, just a lot of different podcasts and advice was I first before I walked into the room with somebody who it may be confrontational or difficult conversation, I, I would say, can I be curious mm-hmm. about them? And it has kind of evolved because now when I walk into a room with somebody, you know, who I may not naturally get along with, the thought I have is I want to picture that person having the best day of their life, or I want to picture that person living a fulfilled life mm-hmm. and having joy for that. And it sounds so stupid and tacky, but it really helps to shift your mind and how you talk to that person. Yeah, like I watched something where this guy was trying to teach people how to do this, how to be in front of other people that are confrontational and, and what you kind of do. And his thing was that you just don't get angry. So if they're coming at you confrontationally, you're coming back with kindness always. And it was really interesting to see situations diffuse, like with him doing it. It was like they almost 
can't be mad at you anymore because you're just being so nice. Um, mm-hmm. And I think what you were saying about like really seeing them on their best day, like in your mind, what would that person be like on their best day? And it totally mm-hmm. changes how you approach them, even if they're coming at you hard. I, th- I think it helps you see them as human. Yeah. You know, I think we naturally try to see people we don't mesh with as being subhuman in some way. Well, that's yeah. also why I love this podcast, because I think it teaches us all that we need to share hard things about ourselves, because there are certain people that I used to maybe think, oh, I don't really have interest in knowing them. Hearing their story gives me an entirely different perspective on why they are the way they are. Mm. So we do need to be open to sharing our stories, you know, when asked, not just like to anybody who wants to hear it. <laughs> but in a in a place like this is is a really great way to take time to get to know people and their their hardships. And you can see, okay, now I understand why you're, you know, hard to get along. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you were so different from yourself. Or you appear right? to be. I really yeah. liked what Peter Grossnickel said about how he kind of might seem like he's disconnected, but really he's just trying to connect with God in mm-hmm. in the chapel. That yeah. was a really interesting. Yeah, I I thought that was interesting too. I did, I did, I've known Peter for years, and I didn't know that aspect. So, and I I love a quote I stole from the Everybody Always book, even though I haven't read it. I guess I will. I'll report back. <laughs> but they said, you know, what we do with our love is a conversation we'll have with God. Isn't that a great thought? Yeah. Yeah, but don't let that make you fear, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, m- like make sure that that encourages Motivates. you. Into, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Because yeah. people could really be like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I can never do it right. You I'm not know? doing anything yeah. with my love. Yeah. <laughs> but if you use that as like a, no, everybody can do it. Start yeah. where you're at. Do these little steps, like what you were saying, Jason, like it's been a process for you to figure out how to do that. Everybody can work, you know, embark on that journey yeah. and that process to love better. And Which, to, I think he makes that point really, really well in Love Does. Like it's not like, well, if you're not doing, then you're not loving. But his his thoughts are more like actually everybody can do it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what makes love so great is everybody can do it. Mm-hmm. And it, it can be, you know, start here. And try this, you know, it's like everybody can give a little bit and what a difference that makes in the world, you know. All right. Last question here. So I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you for coming on as one of the earliest guests again, Tina. Thank you for that. (laughs) So I I appreciate all your support. Honestly, I couldn't thank you enough. Couldn't thank Christine enough or Camille for the time they put in to make this become a reality. Honestly, without you guys, this, this would have flamed out a long time ago. And instead, it's not. It's just growing. So thank you so much. So last question for this mini series is going to be, who are you becoming through Jesus Christ? Yeah, this is this is a big question. I think, I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is that I'm becoming somebody who notices other people, and I think that it it helps me to think about other people in the way. I guess I could give a quick example. Sometimes, and my kids are actually better at it than me. So we had an encounter with a neighbor and it was kind of negative and, and we were having a block party and our first instinct, like Alan and I was like, well, we don't want to invite that person. <laughs> and our kids were like, well, what if he was just having a bad day? And what if the invitation to come to our block party is just what they need? And maybe they're not going to show up, but maybe they just need the invitation to know that you know, that we care about them. And I was like, oh my gosh, why are you guys so good at this? Um, but I feel like through like my intense scripture study and through the things that I'm learning about myself, which have been completely guided by the Spirit, so through Christ, I've, I just am learning how to be better at people. 
um, and to see them for who they are and who they could be. And those moments when they're not having a good day, I can always come up with another narrative, you know, and say, well, well, maybe this happened today or maybe they're feeling like this or maybe I didn't approach that very well. And and we could, you know, we could do that better. And I think it it solves a lot of problems to be able to see people differently. Um, so I think that's kind of who I'm becoming in the moment is learning how to be more there for other people. Thank you for listening to the first episode of the Connection mini-series, Who We're Becoming. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. We had a great time making it. Certainly enjoyed the conversation we had together about how we are changing over the years. In particular, we got into the topic about being aware of other people, learning to love, and I I would like to invite everybody here too to, to think of somebody in their life that they have had a prompting to connect with and, and reach out to that person and, and find a way to love them as we as we talked about in this episode today. I think as we strive just to love and connect with other people in our community, inside and outside of the church, I mean, just starting in a neighborhood is great. Not only is going to help us just be aware of more friends that were always around us, but I, I think it also is a way that we can really grow in the gospel and become more like Christ. Really, as, as we talked about in this episode, the gospel is all about people and, and connecting with our heavenly parents. Until next time, guys. Thank you again and take care of yourself.